Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode number 22 of the Fitness Devil podcast. Today, we were treated with having Megan Calloway join us. So we'll introduce you to Megan after our little intro music, but she gets into a lot of really cool stuff about, well, how to do pull-ups properly. We talk a little bit about some of the extreme stuff that goes on in fitness industry social discussion. You might want to stick around for that. And why in the industry, almost everything depends on context. So you'll hear us say it depends a lot. So uh, enjoy the episode. Thanks for tuning in and give us a five-star review if you can find the time. Not while driving though. Thanks. Shut up and sit down. Hi, everybody. Welcome to the Fitness Devil podcast. Uh, sitting across from me is Dean Guido. I'm Andrew Coates. But today we actually have somebody uh, joining us who I've been really excited about. Uh, we have Megan Calloway. Uh, she's in North Vancouver and she's a strength coach, published writer, athlete, and a whole bunch of other stuff. But that brief description doesn't really do it justice. So, Megan, I'll let you more properly introduce yourself. Welcome. Thank you for having me. Uh, so this is always, I laugh, my least favorite part of the show is when I have to introduce myself. Uh, so I've been a strength coach now close to 15 years. Most of my clients are gen pop, but I do work with some elite athletes, some post-physio rehab. A lot of people who just want to get strong, feel good, feel empowered, and have fun. So that's kind of what I promote with my coaching. And then also people who are interested in the process and kind of want to understand what we're doing. So that's part of what I do. I love to write. I enjoy podcasts. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about it later, but I put out a pull-up program in October. I've been playing soccer for 27 years, although um, I might not be able to play now just due to some commitments with work and our league just kind of deteriorating. So there's that. Um, trying to, I'm sure we'll cover more later. <laughs> We're going to go all over it. And yeah, the pull-up program, well, actually, we'll tackle that next. So. Well, I was just going to say, you mentioned the pull-up program. So at this point, you're probably known as somewhat of the god of pull-ups. Uh, just a two-part question. What's your all-time personal best pull-ups? And kind of elaborate for our listeners on getting them to perform pull-ups and just improving them based on your philosophies. Well, I haven't gone for a PR in ages. So, I mean, back in the day when I did them, it was 17. Goddamn. Well, that's, so better, that's better than me. My best <laughs> is 15. So, I had a feeling you beat me. So, I never, I mean, now I, I don't know. Probably wouldn't be as good just because I've been doing them a lot more frequently. And then I'm also kind of more into the fun, advanced, like, flavor variations that I post. Yeah. I saw a video of you doing, um, well, first of all, the single arm version where you grab your, your wrist with the other hand. And I've seen yeah. you doing the the ones choreographed to music where you move your feet. Like I don't even, I, I can't remember the name of that. And you see videos of girls doing this to music, and it looks incredible. Oh, I love that one. I just call it a climate. It's almost like you're jogging. I joke because I'm not into jogging for myself, so I'm like, that's the only time I'll jog. <laughs> so it's kind of like a jogging motion while you're using the opposite arm, and you're kind of climbing up, and then you do the side to side at the top. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so or, it's weird. It's fun though. Yeah, so there's that. Um, yeah, so probably PR-wise, I don't know what I'd be at right now, but I don't think it would be probably, I don't think it would be 17, but you we'll never know. We'll say 15. <laughs> yeah, we'll round, we'll go down a bit. And, and just kind of elaborate, so like you've been kind of vocal about like pull-ups, chin-ups, and improving them, especially for women, and kind of what's your main message on how to, like just elaborate on that, because I think a lot of people, that's the main goal is to even just do one, and you're doing... 17 in your prime so kind of let them in on your expertise here <laughs> well so i mean this is totally relevant to men as well yeah but a lot of people they think of it purely as an upper body exercise they disregard what their core their glutes like what's going on like their legs even so rather than pulling like moving a rigid object they're now kind of pulling dead weight they're swinging if you're swinging and unstable obviously that's going to be a lot harder and the path, like the distance your body has to travel to the bar is suddenly much longer. So rather than being stable and having that kind of short direct line to the bar, the distance is now a lot greater. You're obviously each rep is going to take longer. It's just going to be inefficient. So a lot of people make that mistake. A lot of other people, they can, they only like they use their arms. They do not use their back. 
So that really limits people. I mean, it can predispose people to having like certain issues, possibly with their forearms or like different joints. Uh, so treat it as like, I mean, you're using the muscles in your back and like focusing on the scapular movement to perform the exercise. But you have to treat it as you're like, you have to get the whole body involved in working as a synchronized unit versus just focusing on the arms. And what's kind or of your, even just the upper body. Well, I was going to say, what's your main cue for like just people listening? And I, I know that's really hard to visualize, but like a lot of people have trouble getting their back involved. And kind of what's your main easiest cue to kind of establish that for people who kind of don't know what the hell that feels like? Uh, well, I mean, there's a lot of the regressions. Like, so obviously you're not going to have somebody who cannot do a pull-up just go and do pull-ups. And that's some of the, like, you hear that all the time. Like, oh, get better at pull-ups by practicing pull-ups. Yeah. It's kind of one of these exercises where it's, you can't just get from A to Z. You have to work on the fundamentals. You have to work on different regressions, build yourself up, improve the technique, improve obviously your upper body strength, lumbo pelvic stability, even your glute, like your glute strength, even your lower body and your grip strength. So, um, I'm getting some sort of weird, like vibrating oh. sound. I don't know if you can hear that. Hi, can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you. You're good. We oh, didn't weird. Okay. We didn't pick up on that. Are you so. good? Oh, I'm good. No, okay. it was like some weird like robot sound. <laughs> so the probably the best cue, I would say, I mean, it always, once again, it depends. And I know that's one of the questions later about it depending. <laughs> yeah. I like to focus on the scapular movement. And what you want to think about is drawing each shoulder blade in towards your spine and down towards the opposite hip. So like you focus on initiating the movement with the shoulder blades rather than pulling with the arms. And so a lot of the regressions will address that and kind of pounds in the concept, strengthens those muscles as well. So then people kind of learn what it should feel like. Well, and I think that's a huge thing because you're right. A lot of people feel in the arms. <laughs> and the second you kind of put them in a the position to feel their back, they're like, what is this? Like, that's your back. Yes. And it's great and strong. One of my favorites. Cause and it, oh, sorry, go ahead. You first. Oh, no, it's okay. You go ahead. I was going to say one of my favorite tools and it showed up in uh, an article that you posted uh, quite some time ago, and it really goes into detail about all the different tools about training for pull-ups, is uh, scapular pull-ups, where you would yeah. do a dead hang, and then you would basically, it, it's sort of, you could describe almost as a reverse shrug with your hands in the air, but uh, if you want to describe that and how that works. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that's one of the ones, it's in the second phase of my program, just because for some people, they don't yet have the strength to hang from the bar or they don't quite have the strength to control the movement of their shoulder blades. But with that exercise, what you're going to do, you're going to set yourself up on the bar. So whatever your preferred width is like your grip, your hands are going to face forward, but whatever your preferred width is, that's what you'll do. You're going to initiate the movement. Or like even before you go, you're going to set your body. So it's in, I say a slight hollow body position. So you're not quite as rounded as you would be in a hollow body. Cross one foot over the other. You're going to dorsiflex your feet. You're going to flex your legs, squeeze your bum. So you're going to make your body as rigid as you can. You're going to tuck the rib cage down a little bit and embrace your anterior core. So now your body is going to be nice and stable. Then what you're going to do is you initiate the movement. Same thing. You're going to draw each shoulder blade in towards your spine, down towards the opposite hip. And as you do that, you'll elevate a tiny bit. I like to pause just for a count at the top, just to have the control. Then you're going to lower and on the way down, your shoulder blades will perform the reverse movement as they did on the way up. And then in the bottom, you just want to make sure that you don't relax and like you want to make sure your muscles are still always engaged. And then, so that would be one rep and then you kind of reset. You might need to reset the brace, the glute squeeze, kind of your body positioning and then repeat and then perform the next rep. And I use this a lot for training people who have weak lower trapezius as well, whereas everybody's so yes. caught up in their upper traps. And if you do those scapular pull-ups, either as a piece to progress towards regular pull-ups or just as a movement itself, just to train the lower traps, it's actually really good. That's actually a really, really good description. And hopefully if anyone's trying to learn this, you're going to be like, okay, I got to remember this, like the time in the podcast and go back is you could actually do exactly how you described it and learn how to do it. Or this, just go read is, our articles. Yeah. Well, that's, that's what we want to direct people to is like you've, you've written articles on this stuff and then you have the, what's called the ultimate pull-up program. So I don't know if yeah. you want to talk a little bit about that because if someone wants to do this, I'd actually really like for them to explore this possibility, right? 
Yeah, I mean, it's really detailed. It took me quite some time to come up or to create four phases long, plus a fifth bonus phase, which is all kind of my crazy fun uh, pull-ups that you might see me do sometimes. So each phase, it once again, it depends on the person. Everybody will progress at a different rate, but at kind of a four to eight week block per phase, each phase has a, exercises that address to so like pull-up specific techniques. You'll have all the different pull-up progressions. You'll have exercises that address upper body strength, grip strength, the controlled mobility of the shoulder blades, lumbar pelvic stability, and even lower body strength. So it covers everything. And each exercise, you'll have like a really, really detailed written description, a video, you'll have a picture. Um, so it is really, really comprehensive. And I think it surprised a lot of people when they bought it, just because I don't think they realized how detailed it would be, like in a good way. Well, they're probably thinking a pull up or chin up is just so easy, and you're like, no, there's you could have these many parts, you could break it down, and like they're like, what? Well, this, yeah, this and totally challenges the perception of what a pull up and chin up is. Like you said, it's it's so much more than just an upper body exercise. Totally. And then one other thing that it kind of was a goal when I designed the program: a lot of coaches, both male and female, have bought my program, and they're using it as a teaching manual for like to te- so they can use it to help teach their clients how to do pull ups. So that's been pretty cool. And I've been getting a lot of different feedback from coaches. Do you yeah, see it, so that's another Do thing, you see that yeah. feedback like improving it or like have you kind of learned anything through other people kind of reading it and collaborating and kind of giving you some info on it? You know, most of the feedback has just been people telling me that they've been enjoying it. Yeah. Uh, one thing I did do after the fact, the only exercise, so in phase one, I have two different pull-up regressions. One of the regressions, the only exercise where I received a few messages and some people said that it was still a little bit too advanced for them was the uh, concentric hang. So what that is for people who don't know, you're in the top position of the pull up and you're just holding. So some people and like usually even if you're starting from a bench, so like you're already at the height of the bar, get yourself into that top position and you just hold. For some people, they weren't quite there. So I ended up filming another exercise, so like a modified concentric hang, and you can use like a barbell that's set up in a squat rack, you could use a Smith machine, or even a TRX. So your body is now in a diagonal position, and your feet are on the floor, versus the free hanging position. So that was the one thing, like in hindsight, I would have put that into the beginning, like into phase one, for people who were not quite ready to do the regular concentric hang. But that was maybe only, maybe five people out of a lot so it that was the one message that i got and received more than one it makes sense that that would be really challenging because one of the biggest things and you note this at least in the article that i saw like strength to body ratio is a massive part of this equation in particular when the body weight end of that spectrum is the is the challenge there are going to be people that no matter how badly they want to do this they are too heavy to probably with anything close to their current level of upper body strength or full body strength to be able to do this stuff. And you also have to address the body weight into that spectrum to get better at it. Yeah. I mean, yes, like of course within reason, but I think a lot of people, even like you see some people who are taller, like they might have a body type that they carry more muscle, more body fat, what have you. So much of it does boil down to technique. And if somebody is only using their arms or if they're disregarding pretty much what is going on, like from their, chest down like a lot of people they totally do just disregard their anterior core their glutes their leg they're going to be swinging back and forth so they're not going to be able to get into that position or stay in that position so i think for people if they address the technique that does take a lot of the focus or i mean body weight it makes it a little less relevant okay good a little less anyway. But it's even one of those things and, and we can cross over, like the crossover of that application is 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 pre- like prevalent and, and even if you think squat and deadlift, like it's not just go down and up. It's like you have to get your core, your hips involved. <laughs> you got to lock in neutral spine. Like all those things are kind of transferable to pull-ups and it's just interesting that you would take that take on pull-ups, which makes total sense and more people should do it, but they don't. They do it for everything else, yeah. but not for pull-ups. And it's like, it's the same concept really just applied to that. And you also, exactly. you hinted at, of course, not swinging, whatever. So clearly you're obviously a very big fan of uh, kipping pull-ups in the butterfly style. <laughs> well, I've been asked that a lot. And personally, I don't do them and I don't teach them. 
it's a specific exercise. And I mean, if somebody's competing in CrossFit and they have to do that, then sure, of course, learn how to do it properly. Yeah. But you see so many people who ha- they can't even perform a re- like one regular pull up, yeah. and they're being taught how to perform kipping pull ups before that. So I mean, I think that is quite irresponsible, and it's definitely not something I believe in. Well, I'd even say, yeah, that's like a specific purpose, obviously, but that's a progression, and usually they'll use it as a way to just do pull ups or chin ups before they even have the foundation to do a strict. Yes. Pull-up. Because, well, a friend of mine who used to do CrossFit, she even, like, she did, I think it was 50 in a workout, but they were all kipping. And she said the only reason they did kipping was because otherwise she would not be able to do 50. Yeah. So I said, well, why don't you do however many you can with good form, and then that should be your workout. Or at least, like, what you're required to do rather than, I don't want to say cheating because it is a specific, yeah. like, it's like a totally different exercise. Like, I don't really consider them pull-ups because it's so, like, the form is so different. Yeah. Maybe that's actually the best point in all of it is just to simply treat it as a different thing. And it is its own unique entity. And like you said, like CrossFit, yeah, like people like to bag on CrossFit. And the reality is it's a a sport that has gotten more barbells in more hands than any other trend in our fitness industry's history. It's doing a lot of good. Yes, there are some concerns about some of the training modalities and the injury potential. But that stuff also exists in powerlifting. And we see an enormous amount of dumb and dangerous shit in bodybuilding. So... I think all the criticisms of CrossFit are, are really just repackaged criticisms of everything else that's out there. If someone enjoys it and it gets them going and they're not getting themselves hurt at it, then I think it's overwhelmingly good. So. Me too. I'm just so sick of hearing people complaining about it. Yeah. Like, I mean, I'm not the hugest fan, but it has so many good points and it is getting people up and moving and they're passionate about it. So, I mean, my whole thing, I think people should focus on what they're into themselves and not bash what they either don't like or know nothing about. Plus, like a side note, like regardless of whether I do CrossFit or not, those documentaries, like the fittest on earth, like with all all like the the top level guys, like it it's awesome. Oh yeah, I, I like, like watching that. Like, they're unreal athletes, oh, and you know the most some of the most impressive female physiques out there are CrossFitters. I don't know what it is about Cross. Well, it's it's the volume training for sure, and getting women to do stuff they normally wouldn't even imagine doing. But you see female CrossFitters walking around, and they almost always look amazing. The male CrossFitters are a little hit or miss, but the women <clears throat> seem to always look incredible, like ripped abs and, and just muscle everywhere. Uh, now, we're talking pu- about pull-ups. An important component about that is grip training, and I feel like that's often ignored I don't see a lot of professionals talking too much about it. You do. Could you Im- explain the importance of it, uh, especially for women, uh, in, in improving grip? Oh, grip training. Sorry, you cut out. I thought that you said rip training. So I was yeah, kind of grip, grip training. Like, what's grip training? <laughs> grip well, training. I was like, rip, that's a new one. No, <laughs> so I mean, so many people, both got, like men and women, like for, I have a female client, and she knows I've mentioned her on other podcasts before. She has exceptionally strong legs. And I mean, within the first few months of our training, she was already squatting over 200 pounds, no problem. Yet she could not hang from the bar to do even like a basic hang. So, so many people, and like this would also, of course, affect your deadlift. If your grip strength is poor, you're going to have issues. So a lot of people, I mean, they might have really strong, like a really strong upper body. Their pull-up specific technique might be great. But if you can't hang from the bar, you're not going to be able to do any, or at least very few. So there are a lot of different exercises and different techniques that you can implement into your training. You can do some of the stuff, like some of the heavier stuff. Like I love trap bar carries. They are great because you can go really heavy with them. You could also do different loaded carries with like a bar, like barbell overhead. You can do dumbbells one per hand. You can do one sided carries or like, sorry, unilateral carries. Plate pinches. You could do. Um, do you guys ever do any stuff like bottoms up kettlebell stuff? Oh yeah, tons of it. Yep. It's it's that <laughs> yeah, humble, so that humbles awesome. the strongest people real fast, and it gives like uh, yeah, it identifies the weakness so fast. Like you just know, you just know where your weakness is almost instantly. I've got, I like, but it's also oh, go crazy ahead, how fast you improve. It's, yeah. I was just gonna say with that, it's so crazy how fast you improve. Like, I, and I don't know if that's the CNS of it, but yeah, like, it, like within, if you do them for like two weeks, like the, you start to double your weight, it almost just becomes a skill. And then that transfers, I found it transfers over almost immediately. Yeah. Well, I mean, the lightest ones we have, we now have what, 10 pounds, but before we only hit 18 is the lightest. Yeah. So I do the single arm overhead press and I think my first time doing them, I could do, I think I could do 10 with my left, eight with my right. I'm left-handed. My left side's a tiny bit stronger. Yeah. 
But within maybe two weeks, I was doing 15 per side, no problem. Yeah. And they were too light within well, like, two weeks. And that's the same experience. And, and one of the, I don't know who said it, but it was like, if to have healthy shoulders or to like even be like considering overhead pressing with certain weights is you should be able to do, I think like 75% of your max or whatever with an upside down kettlebell, then you know you're kind of bulletproof in terms of even shoulder stability and grip strength. That sounds very yeah. John Rusin-ish. I think it, it might have been John Rusin, and it's just one of those things where, like, I've tried it, and it's just, it's a good gauge. I mean, it's not the end-all, be-all, but, like, it does let you know real fast on where you sit and how much control you actually have of the movement as opposed to just heaving it up. Because you have to control it. And There's the, no way around it. Well, and also, even just with overhead pressing, something, or even any kind of pressing movement, one mistake so many people make is they might get the weight up, but then they think, okay, I'm home free, and they kind of just let it free fall. So I always like to tell people, like, whether or not you're doing, for example, like an overhead press, it could be something like a bench press or even a push-up. You want to focus on rowing the weight down. So, like, you're pressing it up, and then you do focus on the muscles in your back to really control. It's like almost like a rowing motion. Yeah. And, like, same with the push-up. I mean, that's just body weight, but it makes a huge difference well and that's where i like using the upside down kettlebell even even as a baseline because it does two things it it helps regulate their intensity because they're not going to go all out and if they have the full range of motion like you said they have to control all the way down so it it ends up making the lift perfect and you don't have to do anything like it's almost an external cue for the well it is an external cue as opposed to you gotta do this this and this like if they don't lift it right it ain't going up and it's not coming down very nice Oh no, and it just tips. Yeah, and, yeah, and then it hurts. As long as it'll drop it on the head. So <laughs> well, that's okay. the. It, 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 I think there's like a level of fear. Like if it's overhead and it's wobbling, like you don't want to drop it on your head, so you end up like, performing better just for the sake of survival. <laughs> well, I always have them put their other arm up as a buffer, just yeah. in case something were to go wrong. They have the other hand there, but I've yet to have anybody. I mean, that would not be good if I had a client drop a kettlebell. That wouldn't head. be good for your marketing of your book. No, that probably would not be a good thing. Um, actually, let's go to marketing. So <laughs> you, you've you written a lot on what's wrong with the female fitness marketing. And why is it so important to challenge the notion that like women can't or shouldn't be strong? Well, this is funny. I even yesterday, I've, like, I've been running ads for my pull-up program. I'm still totally experimenting, figuring out what's working. Yeah. So I saw somebody commented below and it was in a different language. So I hit the trans like the translation button and then the, the girl tagged her friend and she said, if I do the program, will my back look like hers? And then she had a horrified emoji. So I was like, I'm serious. <laughs> so I, I laughed, like it made me laugh and I was just like, wow. But I mean, women are constantly being told we should make ourselves like we need to diet, shrink, tone, sculpt, you name it. I mean, I, admit I've used the word sculpt in an ad just because I know that's what people want. But we're always being told, like the focus is less on what we can do with our bodies, how good we could feel, like how, like we could just feel like fucking badass, excuse my language. But we're being told, no, like we should just do cardio. We should stick to really light weights. We should diet. We should try this cleanse, this detox. And it's not empowering at all. No, it's almost like, like, Oh, I was just going to say men, it's usually the opposite. I mean, of course, like men, it's not perfect for them as well. But for them, it's more about how you get stronger, increase your power, like stuff that's actually empowering and helpful. Women, it's always, I mean, it's very rarely empowering. Well, it's weird you say that too. And it's like, so women think that they're going to get super bulky and strong real fast. And then guys have the same idea of they want to get strong and bulky, but it never happens fast. So it's almost like a switch. <laughs> yeah. I, I use this example. So anytime I've got a woman who is a little concerned about it, I'll say to them, okay, look around the gym. Okay. You see all these guys and especially commercial gyms, they're all going really hard. Now, how many of these guys are actually big muscular guys? And, and most of them are, a lot of them are like smaller dudes. They're, they're trying real hard. You know, they're, they're early in the process. And they look around, they realize this. I'm like, okay, you see these guys are going nuts at this stuff. They're not very big. What makes you think that within a couple of weeks of touching dumbbells, you're going to start looking like someone my size or, you know, look like a pro bodybuilder. So, and then they're like, oh, okay. (laughs) Right. So you guys don't have the testosterone level for it. So you can train hard and look amazing, but no woman is going to go and naturally suddenly look like a Olympic I'm sorry, Olympia pro female bodybuilder. That just simply isn't going to happen. And then most of the one, I mean, the females that you see, no, I mean, of course there are exceptions, but most of the females you see who do look like that are probably having, taking some sort of steroids or other sort of Absolutely. assistance. Yeah. 
And this is something else too that I've often written about before. And it's a bit of a double standard between men and women, but a giant pet peeve of mine are, is the, the female fitness competitors who are steroid users visibly. And some people are like, Oh, why do you care? Well, there's a reason that they're saying they're natural. And that's a problem for yeah. me because with guys, let's say Arnold, who has come out and said he used steroids, but in his heyday, let's say Arnold is like, Oh, all natural or bodybuilders who do do this. Young guys are like, oh my God, I could totally do that. And then they rush to the gym because they want to look big and jack. Going to what you said about women and, and fearing this, if a, a woman, there's a one famous one, I won't say a name, but there's one particularly bad one who loud, loud about how natural she is, bullshit, who's like, oh, I'm natural. That message can actually scare a lot of women away from the gym because like, well, I, I don't want to look like that. She looks great yeah. in all context, but she's probably too extreme for most women and what they would ever want. So it is a double standard, but I think it's an important one to recognize it. I'm a little bit more aggressive with the women who lie about it than, and I understand why, but still versus say the guys who are, are, are saying, oh, I'm all natural and they're not. It's like, okay, God, you, you, we know you're full of shit. So go away. And also with women, we're always, or I shouldn't say always, but we're often being told how we should look like, oh, like be careful. You don't get too big. Like you don't want to be too bulky. What if some people do want to be more muscular? Everybody's different. We all have our preferences for what makes us feel confident, feel good. Nobody should be discouraged from doing what makes them feel good. Absolutely. And I think that that, again, if you go too far to the one side, it'll scare some people away. But then you're right. Like there are people who, who want to look like the CrossFitters. Like, and that's a good message. So why tell a lie? I don't know. I just hate I guess that's the whole with, idea of it. Yeah. No, I was going to say, even with my own coaching, I don't focus a lot on appearance. I kind of focus more on whatever their goals are. I mean, get as strong as you can, get as fit as you can, do these awesome exercises, feel empowered. If you do that, for the most part, you will be happy with your appearance, but we don't focus on it. It's kind of more a byproduct of what we're doing, but not the actual focus of it. Well, and to get a product like that, like it's just, it's so specific and like that's not, it's not realistic for a lot of people. <laughs> Like, yeah. In terms of having a body, I guess, I, I guess a vain approach to it. Like the bot, those sculptors and bodybuilders and fitness professionals and aesthetics, like they, it's a lot. It's a lot. It's different. Yes, I. I mean, to each his or her own, but yeah. it's definitely not for me, and it never will be. Um, so let's pivot a little bit here. Something that you've also uh, talked about recently in some of your social media stuff, and we see this a lot. You mentioned the word. It depends. You referred to it earlier in your work. Uh, this is something that uh, our friend Dean Somerset, we got to sneak him in every episode, just as a joke. I know you're friends with him, and it was actually his wife, Lindsay, who uh, had talked a lot about you and the reason why we made sure we expedited getting you on the show. So um, she's really excited about that. So this message of it depends shows up a lot in your work. Could you explain the importance of this and why there's risk when you hear a lot of professionals speaking in very absolute terms about a lot of what they talk about. Yes. Well, I've used this a lot. I mentioned it a couple of days ago again, my reason. A good friend of mine, she wrote an article. It was a fantastic article, and it was about women's strength and kind of what our capabilities are. Awesome article. I looked in the comments, and some person wrote, and she's kind of picked apart the author and said, well, it's not very empowering because the author should have actually said, we all have the potential to deadlift or squat uh, one to two times our body weight and so forth. So she was really upset that the author did not make this guarantee that we all can do this. So I replied and I just said what the author said, like it was factual, it was honest, and it was actually empowering because a lot of people, while it would be amazing to say, yes, everybody has the potential to do this, we don't. We don't know about injuries. We don't know about health. Something as simple as like I use the example of a man because another person commented and said it was like an attack on womanhood. Some guy said this. What? So like, for example, say you have a man who is six, four, he's very tall, he's very long legs and very short arms. He is probably never going to be able to deadlift from the floor. He might need to do lock holes. He might never, he might even stick to RDLs or trap dead or sorry, trap bar deadlift. He might never be able to safely deadlift from the floor. So it truly depends. You can't make a guarantee. So that was one example. Other examples, um, just like the black and white bullshit you hear all the time, like nobody should be running, nobody should be doing this, everybody should have the same form. Squat ass. Stuff like that. 
oh my god like that's another one like Lindsay like I know she talks about that so like everybody must deadlift from the floor it doesn't count if you don't if your death doesn't ask to grasp it doesn't count no like everybody is so different form looks different I mean optimal form for one person will be horrible like will be it won't work at all for somebody else so with everything and I think a lot of the time you do get the black and white answers because some people I don't know if it's like a confidence thing. They just don't want to say they don't know or like that, that they don't have the answer. Well, I think that that's, so what, I think that even our job as professionals and even this information you're putting out is to kind of highlight and problem solve these issues, but like get other people to kind of hone in on, on this idea that it depends because they should be questioning things because it, like you said, it's not black and white. If their hips are all, if their hip sockets are shallow and whatever, deep femur heads, whatever, like they might not be able to squat the depth. And then you have some person with limited knowledge or even a trainer with limited knowledge saying like, that's how it's done. And then it's just horrible for their lower back or whatever. Right. Yeah, people need to challenge that notion or at least be more responsible in kind of their research on these things because it does have huge implications for injuries, especially with the the black and white stuff. Well, like the it depends thing is everybody is so different. So you have to treat each individual, like you have to focus on the individual rather than just say like this is how it's done. And that so many people do say like there's one way to do everything. And I think that's why we're seeing so many injuries. We're seeing people who aren't achieving their goals and so much more. And I like that you touched on um, people don't like to say it depends because it makes them look wrong. But like, again, I would argue that it makes them look like they're trying to search for answers because like it depends, but it's a problem. It's it's a problem solving issue. It's it, it does depend. And I guess that's our jobs as trainers to kind of get that out there. And skilled professionals are probably going to be able to qualify a lot of the it depends scenarios anyway, yeah. or they're going to provide some pretty clear information but then just make it clear that, okay, in some situations, well, depending on the way someone's built, depending on their injuries, like there's very little that is hard and fast about how people should move or how people should eat. Exactly. Yeah, like that's another thing. I have so, okay, I wrote a post about it recently, just about 37 random, I can't remember what the title was, 37 random points about my nutrition or something. Just because I've had so many people ask me how I eat and, well, this is how I should eat as well. I'm like, well, no, it totally depends. And then I shared 37 different principles I'm following. And, like, a lot of it I'm a lot more flexible than people probably assume. And so what works for me might not work for the next person. And so that's largely why I shared it, just so people can see how different we all are. And, like, what works for me might be a total disaster for somebody else. Well, and, and let's move on to this in terms of evolving as a fitness professional and like what works for you and what has worked over time and just kind of getting better over time. We're talking about black and white. Um, what's, what's your views on, I guess, the search for knowledge or the reluctance for many, like especially predominant figures to take a firm stance on entrenched positions that may not work for everyone or are just plain wrong? Reluctance to pivot off of their firmly yes. entrenched positions. Some people get very, very hard on their belief system and no matter the evidence or what comes along they'll never break from that because that's their identity yes well one that kills me and i even just read about it recently is nobody should be running that was a black and white kind of comment (laughs) that was thrown out there i'm sorry but like i'm not like i admit like i love to sprint i'm not a jogger i'm not a distance runner it just bores me and for me probably would not make my body feel the best i'd have to train for it but Certain people are just throwing out these random comments. A lot of people, they do love to run. So, I mean, my advice, I'm like, if people are doing it only because they think it's the best way to lose fat and they really don't like it, then I'll tell them, I mean, there are many better ways to lose fat than run. I mean, running is not anywhere near the most effective means to lose body fat. But if somebody legitimately enjoys running, rather than tell them, no, you should not run, Like us as coaches, we can help them get stronger. We can help them learn how to move better. But in terms of the running specific technique, I mean, me, like that's not my specialty. I would try to send them to somebody who specializes in that and then help them improve their technique and then give them the tools to be able to run so so they perform better, but so they also just feel better. So that's one example is running. Um, Other examples, I mean, everybody should be deadlifting from the ground. We already talked about that. Everybody should have the same squat form. People like it's, I think it's people who don't do a lot of learning and reading. It's kind of people who might have heard something back in the day and they just stick with that. 
or even like so I, think it's, I, I was going to say even with the, to yeah. sorry you go <laughs> oh i'm sorry no, i was just gonna say to me if anything it's late it's just laziness like it shows that they're not learning they're not evolving yeah. Well, and I was going to go towards like um, even the basic certification of becoming a trainer is that some of this knowledge is what they are being taught. But again, they kind of stick to it and, and they don't evolve. And I think that that's the best way that you put it is they're not continuing to learn because they're going to find out real quickly, whether it's through experience or just through some of the professionals putting information out that it's 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 not what it seems in what you learn in school. Because in some of the certifications, they're still teaching that their feet need to be shoulder width apart and toes facing straight. And, and that's oh, the, it's horrible. I know. And like, I feel bad because it's not their fault initially, but it, there is some onus on them to evolve because you can't just stick with what what you started at because like all of us have figured out what we thought was true generally is not or has changed almost every at this point like every six months to a year even with all the research out. well there's a certain type of fitness professional and i hope that anyone listening at this point is probably attuned to this you get the people who they get their schooling whether it's a you know, a weekend course or a six week course. And I don't belittle that because or even I'm, a, I'm, even I'm a degree, a Ken, man, there's, yeah. they're learning well, that shit. In I was going there because yeah. like, I'm a CanFit pro trainer and that's like, that's not a very hard certification to get. I've gone leaps and bounds to getting information beyond that. But yeah, I've worked with people literally who had their kinesiology degree and then there was no evolution or pursuit of extra knowledge beyond even that degree. They, they kind of had this attitude. Well, I've gone to school, I've done it. Therefore I don't have to do anything else. And then, and here's the shit right here. Then they start putting all their time and effort and attention into developing a multi-level marketing scam and yes. pumping that garbage out. And that was always a major source of conflict for me in, uh, in the past with that sort of shit. Well, I have the kinesiology degree and I totally I agree with what you said. And I'd say probably 95% of what they taught us in school yeah. was quite useless. Like it has, has no carryover to what I'm doing now. Probably close to 100% of what I now know or no, now I should say, came through all my own studying, learning, networking with people who know more. The school, schooling itself didn't do much other than give me a degree. Well, and, and that's what's, I don't know if it's the school's problem, but I mean, their their information hasn't evolved, probably because they're still making money off of it. But it would be nice for some of that information to be a little bit updated because we're even having like students coming out of kinesiology that don't know the basics and they think that they do because they have this expensive university degree which again i'm not knocking school it's just they'll learn real quick that they didn't waste their money that they're qualified i guess degree on paper but they're not qualified in terms of experience and it's it's a tough lesson i guess and a lot of places they only hire people with a kinesiology degree right. so that's another thing yeah but i mean a lot of the people i mean not now luckily not now but a lot of the coaches i worked with back in the day some of the worst coaches by far were the ones who had the kinesiology degrees. Like it was just horrifying. <laughs> yeah. Well, and I wonder, I, I guess this, it would be an, it depends answer, but like Andrew was saying, because they went to school, they feel like they don't need this other stuff. And I guess that. I think it's, a, here's what I've experienced. And I, I can think of two particular individuals who this applied to with kines degree. They use personal training as a job for their 20s to pay their way through things, but it is not their long-term ambition. They're not like you, Megan, where you're developing all these products and you know I'm sure you're going to be coaching people as long as you're alive, right? Whereas yeah. these people uh, want to pivot into other things and sometimes that's fine. And if they're doing a reasonably good job of coaching people in a gym setting, okay, as long as they're not doing like really harmful, dangerous shit. But in these particular cases, both were very, very interested in putting their time and efforts into other pursuits. And one was very, very noble in that other pursuit, and one was really, really horrific in the other pursuit. And I'll leave it at that, so that way no one can pinpoint exactly who I'm talking about. But it depends, man. <laughs> Everyone has different personalities. I've met people with the kinesis degrees, I guess, that have just blown it out of the water because they realized it was a starting point, and they have just a better starting point than I would have out of our can fit or teaching. So I mean, yeah. it's a better starting point. It's just it's still a starting point, nonetheless. <laughs> If anybody thinks, I think oh, so much ahead, of it boils down to passion. Like, yeah. I mean, if you're passionate about it, you'll be motivated to learn. Like, you enjoy it. It's fun. Yeah. And, like, if you're not passionate about it, you probably won't learn. You probably won't evolve. And you won't be very good. Well, then, yeah, that begs the question why they take it in the first place. But that's another whole podcast. Well, if that... <laughs> 
teetered into contentious stuff. This one definitely will. So this one might set some uh, pants on fire. Uh, uh -oh. What are your thoughts on fitness professionals taking extreme stances on social ideologies where they potentially risk alienating uh, or a large percentage of their potential audience? What do you think there? I think people just need to pick and choose their moments. Like some people, I guess they have a tendency of overposting. Other time, like other people, I won't name names. He never posts anything remotely political. He shares so much amazing free content. Like he's awesome. He posted an article, I believe it was about climate change. Totally not controversial at all. He never, like I hadn't, haven't seen anything remotely politically inspired before. He had so many people below this article just write like unfollow, unfollow. I'm like, are you serious? So I, that pissed me off because this person never shares anything like that. So I wrote, I'm like, well, you're lost. Like all he does is provide free information. Like he's constantly educating people for free. And then you're going to unfollow somebody because they share something like that. So, I mean, that's one example. People, no matter what you share, people will always have an issue with you. And I ended up finding out, like I don't post many political things. I have, over the years, shared a couple of articles on equality. So I randomly found this blogger. I don't know how I found this. And it was talking about fitness professionals that they really liked. And then they brought me up and they said they really like me and my stuff, but they're hesitant to share any of my work because I can get quite political. And I guess they don't care to hear what my stance is on gay marriage. I'm like, oh, my gosh. I'm like, really? I might have shared, like, over the years, maybe not even five articles and you're fixating on this so i mean i just say do what you believe in but also kind of pick and choose your moments if that makes sense it totally does it's funny you use the example of gay marriage I, for me that's not even i don't even see that as a contentious one like if someone's sharing something like that and you're getting backlash against that i'm almost of the mindset like those are followers you probably really don't fucking need like oh i have weeded so many followers like my hate by the people who follow me are amazing so even a couple of years ago i posted it was just a beautiful picture it was it was totally photoshop but it was a kind of a shape of a heart that was made out of rocks like a mountain and then it had a rainbow in the middle and it was just a really beautiful picture that somebody sent me so i shared it and I think over the span of maybe like a 24 hour period, if not less, I lost way over a hundred fault, like well over a hundred followers, if not more on Facebook. So I guess they thought I was like promoting my agenda or something. But what ended up happening, it came up in my memories the next year. So I ended up sharing that and then just kind of laughing and saying what had happened the year before. And I think it has of all the posts I've shared over the years, possibly the most liked and I didn't lose a single person. So I think I weeded out all kind of like the more negative types that I don't want following me anyway. That totally makes sense. I think for newer professionals, it's probably really important to be very careful along these lines, especially if you're taking extreme positions, because I think most people are somewhere near the center on most things. We see a lot of stuff on social media now and politically, indeed, and I try to avoid politics at all costs, but it's the loudest stuff is on the hard extremes. And I still think that the newer professionals probably need to be a little careful about waiting in that stuff. And I think some people are just wise steering clear of it entirely. Yes, there are a few people in the industry who can take very strong positions. I use James Fell as a great example of someone who's very, very vocal politically, but he's he's a fitness writer, less the trainer, and he's in a position where he's very passionate about it. And I like James a lot. I, I do think sometimes he goes a little far with some of this stuff. But again, he's been around the industry for probably 30 years, and he's an amazing guy. And everybody should follow this guy because he's so scientifically minded. He just he puts out good stuff. But then I think there are people who the stuff that they're putting out is so antagonistic to even a lot of what's going on in the center. And I think we, we talked about this, maybe some of like the extreme end of the body acceptance side of stuff can get a little contentious. What do you think about that? I think the more like, I completely get where everybody, like where people are coming from. So, I mean, we like we as in women, men as well, but I mean, there's been a lot of bullshit over the years, but that being said, I think there's a way to, promote the positivity that's more impactful and I mean I'm nowhere like I'm not an expert in this but I think some people they like you sometimes see a picture of somebody on the beach in their bikini and they might mention that they don't have a perfect body that's I mean there is no such thing as a perfect body anyway 
And that's totally awesome. But then sometimes that's all these people post. So now we've been like went in like the there's been so much of a focus on our appearance over the years. We're now going back and doing that again. And we're only focusing on appearance. We're not focusing on what the body can do, like how strong we can become. Nothing that's really empowering. It just becomes, I think if we over post the same thing, the message kind of loses its potency. So I think people kind of need to pick and choose their moments. But also I think it does need to be done in a way that is a bit more positive because sometimes people do become like, it's kind of negative, it's antagonistic, it's just angry. And like, I think those messages aren't overly inspiring and helpful, especially when it's just all that certain people are sharing. I think some of it gets to the point where they end up living in their own echo, echo chamber and only the people that really those messages resonate with tend to follow them or t- post on it and saying a lot of positive reinforcing stuff. But what it does is it alienates a broad stretch of the industry and the people who could follow them alienates them. And then those people are cut off from the otherwise positive messages of their fitness. And I, like you said, like, I think there are more positive ways to go about this stuff. And what we see with a lot of these extreme ideologies, there's no interest in trying to debate or discuss openly with people who think differently and try to bridge those gaps. It's instead, we're right. This is the way it is. Fuck you. If you don't think exactly what we think, And that doesn't fix these social problems now because we're probably more socially and politically divided than ever. And those sort of extreme entrenched positions, they're not helping this and it's getting worse. Yeah. I mean, I think some of the messages are pretty, or sorry, exclusive. I think it would work a lot better if we all kind of banded together to promote the message of positivity rather than alienating and um, just being so angry. And once again, like I get where the anger is coming from. But I do think there is a bit more effective way to channel the message to help like, to help more people, and, like to empower them, to motivate them, and just make people want to feel better as well. And like focus kind of on, even in terms of fitness and nutrition, focus on feeling good, focus on what the body can do, all the fun you can have, rather than just focusing on aesthetics, because that is what women have been subjected to over the years. I mean, in this case, like being told we should be shrinking, toning, making ourselves smaller. Now there's kind of that opposite. Well, fuck you. I can do whatever I want, which is true. Everybody should be able to do what they want. But I just think it would be a lot more helpful if it was done in a more positive and empowering way. Well, I think even for like we have a lot of just in Edmonton trainers that are kind of listening to this and this advice is professional advice because essentially like people, there's a lot of people, there's a lot more people listening or watching than you think and how you frame things and what you put out there will have an impact on essentially your business. And I remember even when I was a teacher many moons ago is that social media and what you put out can really have an effect on the people around you, especially the ones you're teaching. You got to be pretty cognizant of that. So I think that the advice is literally, I don't want to say tailor your message, but be careful on what you put out there because it, it can affect people in way different ways than you intend. I really like Megan, how you brought it back to appearance. And I hadn't thought about this. It When we focus on like some of the stuff in body positivity, it's still all about body, body, body. It, it's yeah. about appearance. And like you said, like, Let's maybe move off of that appearance thing a little bit. Let's look at athleticism. Let's look at performance. Like you said, feeling good and not always draw it back to looks and aesthetics. Well, and it's on the it's it's on the onus of I guess the people with influence. And that at this point, the yeah. people putting the information are the fitness professionals and especially people like you and John Rooster and everyone we've have kind of on here that is gaining that greater audience. Is it's it's kind of on us to be that I guess combine and put that positivity out there because people are watching. And I mean, there is nothing wrong with focusing on appearance and wanting to change the way you look. Nothing wrong with that at all. But I just think we need to adopt a more balanced approach. So rather than focusing purely on our appearance, we should kind of focus on like performance, health, just feeling empowered, that sort of stuff, like using your fitness as a tool to enhance all aspects of your life. Okay. And also one other thing I should say is like all body types are normal. Like I already, I need to say that just so people don't think I'm implying that they're not everybody is amazing we all need to focus on what makes us feel best yeah but i think a more balanced approach 
would help the masses. Well, is more kind of what I'm trying to get at. Well, and that goes into this the positive, and we're, we're talking about mental health at this point, like in the positive yeah. effects of physical activity and and having a positive body image. What benefits could you elaborate that might encourage someone to get active for their mental health, I guess, at this point? Well, I mean, even just me, like I use it, I don't like to say I use it as therapy, but I mean, working out, it just gives me a clear head. It allows me to focus more on my work. It makes me a lot happier. Everything I do, I'm able to perform at a higher level when I am fit. So it's just a tool that enhances all parts of your life. I mean, you can obviously confidence, feeling empowered. You might set goals, you achieve them. That increases the confidence and feelings of empowerment. Um, there's, for me, like, I love to work out for, like, the physical as well, but more of it is mental. So much more is for the mental benefits. When a lot of impact I've seen on, even with physical activity and, and getting into sports, let's use CrossFit or powerlifting, for example, is switching that idea of body image, getting it for body image to a performance goal tends to have positive effects on their body, which is kind of yeah. changing that mind frame for people and just switching the goal as a, and they end up getting results because of the goals. Yeah. Well, cause I mean, even say you work out for two weeks, the chance, like say you haven't done anything you work out for maybe a week or two, chances are pretty good. Your body is not going to look any different, but within those two weeks, you're probably, I mean, your form is going to be better. You might be a little bit stronger. Yeah. So you're going to notice improvements that way. So if you're focusing on the performance related goals or landmarks, it gives you motivation and reason to like to keep, you know, you're making progress. So even if your body is not changing or has not changed just yet, you know, you're getting somewhere. I, Dean mentioned powerlifting, and this sort of comes to mind. I, I actually routinely I work in a gym with a lot of powerlifters, and you know powerlifters come in all different shapes and sizes, perhaps more than any other sport and discipline. And occasionally, I'm asked the question like about why you see a lot of quote obese people in powerlifting, and in some ways it's presented sort of as a negative question. And I'm quick to flip it around because in the case of powerlifting, it's actually one of the most accessible sports to someone who probably doesn't have the classically athletic body type and it's a community that yeah. usually is really supportive and what often happens is as those people get involved in that you start seeing changes but it's something very positive mentally for them it gets them active involved in a community where maybe going out and playing hockey or some of these other pursuits just simply aren't even accessible to them so i think that getting people focused on the mental aspects of it and getting away from the physical is really important and like you said you are going to see some physical improvements. You may just really not be focused on them. Yeah, exactly. So that kind of goes to the idea of empowerment. And you view your work workouts and physical fitness as a route to empowerment. But would you elaborate on what your thoughts are on that? Yeah, well, even just to um, give a bit of a background, when I was younger, my, like my teens, my 20s, I did used to work out more to control my appearance. And I did all the bullshit that I am so against now. So I was in a car accident when I was 28 and for five years, like I walked away from it uninjured, but for five years after that, I just dealt with the craziest full body symptoms. I was not able to train properly. I had to quit playing soccer. I never thought I would feel normal again. So that kind of made me reassess everything. I realized that the ability to work out, to move, to play sports, anything is a gift. So once I started working out again, my mindset shifted. And it became like it was all about having fun, like trying things, experimenting, achieving different goals, just feeling empowered and good versus focusing on working out purely to control what I look like or what a number on a scale says. And so even now, like you'll see a lot of the videos I post kind of like the crazier fun stuff. That's me playing, experimenting. And like I do kind of feel like a little kid and just having fun when I work out. And everybody, no matter what your fitness level is or even like your ability, there are so many different ways where you can work play into your training program. So that's another aspect of my coaching. I do try to help people find the joy in working out and see that it's possible and that it's not just some chore. Because a lot of people, like if you think of something as a chore, you're not going to want to do it. You're either going to hate it or it won't be sustainable. 
No, and that, that's actually a great message. <laughs> like so many people look at workouts as being a chore. I actually just put up a post about not treating exercise like punishment. And you sometimes see that sort of thing. Or people have this mindset that, well, I ate poorly. So therefore I got to go and like do all this extra cardio. And they're very much punishing themselves for it. Like, holy shit. No, that's setting yourself up for a terrible relationship with exercise. Like find fun within it. That's the only way you're going to find this. Is, like you said, a sustainable long-term approach to keeping yourself healthy. We have to culturally change our attitudes towards working out. Like I, I'm writing up something about this. Hopefully I'll release it soon. Like, we didn't adapt historically for the world we live in. There's far too much convenient food, far too much convenient lifestyle, an app for everything on our phones. Like We have to embrace the fact that we're going to have to find some sort of physical activity that we do voluntarily because we're not yeah. chasing our food around anymore. At least most of us aren't. <laughs> and the way that society is going, it's an obese society and ever more growing in that direction. We have to be somewhat reasonable with our food. If you don't find a love and an enjoyment within something physically active, you're probably going to trend in the wrong direction. And that has serious long-term health consequences. So I love that message from you. Oh, thank you. So let's ask you the question everybody gets. <laughs> I always love this stuff. Uh, I am kind of notorious for reading a lot of books and I have a lot of fun with that stuff. So I ask every guest, what is there something that you are currently reading or that you have read in the past that uh, has had a profound impact on you and you would want to recommend other people? Uh, well, I just, I'm still not quite done. I'm reading Stu McGill's and Brian Carroll, their book, The Gift of Injury. Yep. That one, that's been an awesome one. I follow, I'm a huge fan of Stu McGill and I've been reading, I mean, a lot of his papers and just his, I've been following his work for years. And I actually, when I was recovering from my car accident, he was the person I followed the most and implemented it, a lot of his strategies when I was recovering. So that, I mean, gift of injury, I read back mechanic. Those two were awesome. I just finished one called the one thing, which is good for productivity. I don't know if you know about that one. I actually have it on my coffee table. It's sort of on my list of stuff. I've been doing more audiobooks. Uh, Jay Ferugia recommended it when I was in uh, Seattle at uh, Luca Hosevar's Vigor Ground uh, Fitness Summit. And so I actually asked the whole panel of them, and I was like, I love asking about books. So I asked them each what one book recommendation was, and that was his. So I picked it up, and uh, I've got to get to it. Yeah, so that's a good one. I mean, I've been, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I probably, I do listen to more podcasts when I do read books. So right now I'm listening uh, to Perpetual Traffic. Like I'm really trying to, uh, since my launch, I've really been, I mean, I didn't really know a lot going into my launch. I had a lot of help. A lot of people who believed in me kind of showed me the way. So now I'm trying to become really business smart and I'm really learning about the advertising so I've been listening to a lot of different podcasts about advertising and marketing, and it's been really helpful. I mean, I've already noticed I've been running ads just for the past month and totally experimenting, testing things out, trying to figure out what's working, what's not. And I've already, like, I kind of have a short-term goal for, say, like, I'm not spending much on my ads. I'm trying, I have a short-term goal for sales per week I'm trying to hit. And even just implementing the different strategies that I've been learning, it's been fantastic like it's so podcasts are amazing that's wonderful are you actually familiar with a guy named donald miller uh, or his book building a story brand no okay uh, i just finished an audiobook took me three days best most applicable book i've read probably in the last year i told dean to read it i've got uh, landon laura his bosses at l2 reading this thing unbelievable book and it doesn't take very long to get through and donald also has his own podcast as well i can't remember the exact name of it but it's all tied in with the story brand idea and it chronicles stuff that if you ever heard john romanello uh, talk about the hero's journey that uh, joseph campbell stuff that goes way back all the story no points. i haven't heard that so this is the, campbell wrote a book a very very long time ago and romanello talks about this on a handful of his podcasts where you have the hero's journey and luke skywalker harry potter or similar Frodo in Lord of the Rings they're all cited as the same sort of example of this and all the stages that the story and plot takes you through uh, there's a guide Gandalf or Dumbledore or uh, obviously Obi-Wan and Yoda and if you approach that kind of story in your marketing which is something I'm trying to incorporate now uh, you can really connect with the audience so it's actually one of the most important books I've probably ever read and just based on what you just said there sounds like you'd love it 
Yes, sorry. Let's. So I wrote his name down, Donald Miller. What was the title of the book? Building a story brand. And for anyone else listening, and if you're in business in any way, shape, or form, <laughs> you want this, this book. And this is sort of, uh, you don't know this about Andrew. This is like Andrew's expertise. He wants to hit 150 books this year. So if you ever need a book recommendation, I'm always like, Andrew, I need this, this, and this. What book should I read? He always has one. So you're gonna get a lot of messages now. Yeah, I get a lot of messages. Oh, I like people. that. <laughs> I, I read them all, so like it's it's a good review from my, someone I know who's in the same industry. It's great. So, yeah, my friends around me, they they just surgically pick off shit that I tell them. To, I get tons of questions about it because I don't have to read 150. I can read 10. Great, save myself some time. Exactly. Oh, that's cool. Um, I mean, I do need to read more. Like I since my, my launch, I was so busy with everything, I was not able to read at all. So now I'm finally getting more time where I'm actually able to read. So that's been nice. Audiobooks, two times speed. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously. Like I'm a I'm, I'm a gonna, believer now. I'm Fuck. gonna go broke doing this stuff. So it's yeah, it's getting a little out of hand. Um let's 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 go on to how people can find you. So we've talked about your your program, your philosophies. Where's the best place to see you on social media or your website and how can people get a hold of you? Best way to get me is on Facebook and I have this has happened recently and I don't know how to hide it. I have so the page that people should follow me is the one, I mean, most of the people are already on it, but just Megan Calloway. I have a business page that I'm, it's dormant. I mean, it's not even public, but somehow people are tagging me in it because I'm using it to mark, to, like, so I can advertise. Yeah. So the one to find me on, best thing on Facebook is just Megan Calloway. For my pull-up program, the website is ultimatepullups.com. And then you can also just look me up on Instagram and you can find me on there. So those are probably the best three. How did no one take that name? <laughs> That's a good name. The ultimate pull-up program. Yeah. I don't, I don't know. I don't think anyone's ever done this before. Right? Like it's it's a comprehensive thing and I just don't know. I, I think people are selling pull-up ideas, but it doesn't go any, into anywhere near the level of detail. And they're recommending a lot. Like, And I've been guilty of doing this too, like assisted pull-up machines and using bands. I use bands with my clients, but you've been sort of very vocal about how these things are not even necessarily the best tools. So if anyone's listening to this and thinking, oh, that's the route to it, go grab maybe this. go explore what well, Megan's talking about. Well, I do talk about the band. Like the band, I actually, I do have the band in phase three. However, and like I always, like there's a huge however all the time. The reason I don't even have it until phase three, if you are doing a band assisted pull-up properly, it should look identical to your regular pull-up. Yeah. And when most people, I mean, obviously the band helps you at the bottom when most people don't need that as much. But when people use the band, they think, oh, I can totally disregard what my legs are doing, my anterior core, my glutes. And so you'll see people swinging back and forth, using yeah. a huge bounce at the bottom. So if your form basically mimics that of a regular pull-up, then it can be a helpful tool and it allows you to kind of work on your mechanics and build up the volume. Otherwise, I'm not a fan of it, and that's why it's not in there until the, towards the end of the program. That actually makes a lot of sense. And again, going over the article challenged some things that I've been doing in in my work with some clients. So, and it's actually I've gotten some tools out of it. So I'm embracing it. And well, what I'm here again is it, it, it depends. <laughs> like, yes, it, it does. <laughs> and, but it's within context. So I think that even any of the trainers listening to this can even pull that away without even seeing your program. But if you want to dive deeper into that, I would definitely go by that because at this point. There's a lot of people referencing it, so why not make yourself better? Oh, thank you. Yeah, guys, if there's anybody who is really interested in learning more, especially because like we have a lot of fitness enthusiasts, we have a lot of trainers. If you're a trainer and you want to learn a lot of stuff, you probably should go and follow Megan. There's a lot of very accessible technical learning stuff there. You can learn a lot about how to teach exercise to your clients. This is a great resource that you should incorporate. I don't go out and seek out people for this podcast because they're just some random person. Like we, there's an infinite array of people we could choose for this. We specifically want to make it on here because, you know, she's really good at what she does and she's going to help you if you choose to embrace it. So follow her, explore the stuff. If you like it, you know, go buy something, support someone as opposed to buying garbage from some person on Instagram who's got 750,000 followers selling <laughs> detox tea. Seriously, right? We never got into that oh. this episode. So ah. <laughs> Instagram kills me. I, I laugh like it takes, it's impossible to gain followers on there. Like it's so slow. We're, uh, we're, like, we're I laugh at that. 
Yeah, Dean is aggressively working on that. He's pretty much ready to, try to sell to switch his... the paradigm. I'm going to be the non-booty chick and put up good information. Well, he's trying to bullshit. sell his... He's willing to sell his soul to get 10,000 followers so he gets a swipe up function. I don't so. know. I'm not hey, even... Hey, that's my goal. It's yeah. a swipe up. That's my idea. That's all I want. Do you know what? I don't care. We'll it's... tell you what. If, if you want, we'll add you to this thing that we're doing and we can chat more about it. And uh, we're actually... It, it just yeah. makes so much sense. So for marketing, it's just like, fuck, I want 10,000 followers, but I'm not <laughs> going to sell my soul, but I'll sell half of it. <laughs> Well, one thing that I've gotten a few messages and actually funny enough, some of them have been from guys and they say like they appreciate how authentic I am and how like somebody, I forgot what they said. Like they like my style, like how I work out in hats. Like I'm totally not just like (laughs) working out in the sports bra and booty shorts. And I mean, to each his or her own, if that's what you like to do and that makes you feel good, I'm all for it. But for me, I would be so uncomfortable. So I do appreciate that people are following me kind of for me. Yeah. But what it's not doing a lot for my numbers. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, the trick is infographics and then like subtly put like someone doing really shitty form, but they are one of the booty chicks and then get them in and, and then hammer them with knowledge. I don't know. Whatever. Well, this it, is it, a, works. it works. Oh, I was just going to say something a friend of mine said, and this is so true. A lot of like people, when they post exercises, when they're using very good form, it could be the hardest exercise in the world. But if somebody is doing something with awesome form and they make it look easy, the fall like very you get way less likes or way fewer likes, I should say. If somebody else is doing the same exercise with awful form and it looks like they're trying so hard, it's just like a huge ordeal, they will get way more likes. Yeah. That's another thing that I figured yeah, out as well. It's literally so like and again, usually when they really struggle and like again, I'll just use the fitness chicks, but they're always my bad examples. And then, but they get the most likes, but then again, they, you get brought in from that. So I don't use them as good form. I use them as bad form. And it's kind of like, it's like a, a Yoda thing. Well, well, I mean, you can see the people who, I mean, certain, like there's a few people I follow and they're crazy popular and they do nothing but post good content. So yeah. I absolutely love it. And I just wish more people like that would be popular. But they're not, we can appreciate that because we know what, we know what good is. So it's like the other yeah. people just don't have the education to even, even filter that. And that, I think that's the problem. And again, they don't know what good form looks like. So they're just going to go with what they know looks good. And that's usually some hot chick in booty shorts. And that, that's unfortunate. Like I, I've, I'm not going to go on a rant on this shit, but I'll, I won't. well, they're smart though. They know what works like, yeah. and they use it to their advantage. Yeah. Like, and there's kind of, it seems like, okay, like bikini selfie, pit, workout video, maybe an infographic. And then it's kind of like that formula and just post that. Those are the people I tend to see who have like millions of followers. Yeah. So they know what works and they use it. But I mean, a lot of us, like just personally, I, I mean, I don't think I'd ever be that popular even if I were to do that. Ethically, I just don't feel good. If, I wouldn't feel good about no. myself if I did that. Well, I think we set ourselves apart from that stuff. And it, like you said, you wouldn't feel good about it ethically. I wouldn't sleep at night if I started putting up me in a bikini. And no one wants to see that shit. <laughs> no, anyway. that wouldn't do well. <laughs> the, the Borat like man thong thing. Like, hell no. Oh, uh, that would be awesome. You, have, you should do that. Oh, God, no. Oh, she no, said it. You got to no, do it now. No one wants do to it. see that. Do the, it. This greater idea kind of goes to something societal. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole. but I mean, If we get the 2,000 views, Andrew, I wear love, a thong. No, I love this example of like there's what, one season of Neil deGrasse Tyson's Cosmos and I don't know how many seasons of the Kardashians uh, reality TV show. And like every... Every world leader in the West is now a pretty much a celebrity as opposed to a politician. Like this is what our society is soaking up. And so it's kind of terrifying, but I don't think we're going to fix it anytime soon. I am trying to not like I know like I'm trying. I used to overwatch the news and I knew everything. It just became too much. So since a certain election, I don't even like to talk about it. Yeah, I haven't been watching the news that much. So I am kind of blissfully ignorant and I do see things here and there on social media. But for the most part, I've been kind of trying to know, like, know enough to be with it, but also to disregard so much of the stuff that is going on around me. It becomes too much. Like, it really does. Yeah, too much. Well, on that thought, we'll uh, we'll tie up the episode. Uh, Megan, thanks so much for joining us. We really appreciate it. You've been fantastic. Thank you for having me. Guys, everyone listening, uh, if you are one of Megan's people and you've seen it on maybe shared on her social media, uh, and if you like what you've seen here, Megan's friend Lindsay Somerset has an episode with us just a few back. If you scroll down through the uh, the iTunes feed, try that. She's fantastic. Her and her husband, Dean Somerset, have been on our podcast, so you guys might like it. And if it turns around that you actually really like what we're doing, you know, give us a five-star review, uh, share it, uh, subscribe to it honestly we're really trying to bring great guests on here we've got more planned for the future 
And if you're a regular listener, guys, go and follow Megan. She's super. So uh, we wanted to share her with you. So thanks, everyone, and have a great day. Shut up and sit down.